Hello out there to our MMP super fans. I would normally say happy Friday, but it's really not a great Friday for a lot of people on the East Coast. We're currently hunkering down in the low country and we're safe, hoping Hurricane Ian will be decent to us. And our hearts are with those who are in Florida suffering from the storm. As we reported in MMP this week, the judge in the Mallory Beach boat crash case reversed his earlier order that basically split the case in two and allowed the Murdochs to indefinitely postpone that trial so that Alec could prepare for his speedy murder trial. With that decision reversal though, the judge also announced that the Beach case is now, is now on the docket for January 9th, 2023. So we don't know what that means yet for Alec's murder trial. As far as we're hearing, Dick and Jim are still insisting it will happen that same month. On Thursday, we reached out to South Carolina's Attorney General's office and they told us that the murder case still has not been scheduled. In the meantime, I wanted to share with you all some conversations I recently had with Liz Farrell and Eric Bland about Alec and his murder trial. And we also talked about something else that's on Eric's mind. So, Mandy, in all of your interviews that you've done, you know, on the record or off the record, talking to your sources, you obviously learned a lot of the inside facts about the Murdoch family. I mean, what what have you learned that somebody could say good about Alex or somebody something that could be good about the family in general? What because when you read everything, there's nothing. Nobody's coming forward and saying that they're charitable. You know, they were they're benevolent. They they give their time to the church. Nothing. It's just nothing. It's all about that they're arrogant, money-entitled people who locked the system up for years. I think something that we've heard for years is that they were nice to certain people in certain circumstances. And they were nice to everyone's faces, for the most part, um, like the Satterfields, in the back, right? Like the Satterfields, they. I think. I think. Uh, I think Alex was really good at being a warm presence around certain people. He had like a lot a, of energy. He had a lot of energy. People said he was really like life of the party sometimes, um, and I think he was able to kind of play a father figure role to people like the Satterfields, and was able to look them in the eye and say, I got you, boy. And that, but that's a part of what a sociopath slash narcissist is. Like, they have two sides. And because nobody, Alex would not have been able to do the things that he got away with doing if he wasn't able to convince some people that he was decent. Yeah. And he had all the power. I was going to say, <laughs> and he, I think a lot of it too, like we can't forget that he was an employee of the Foral. He was a volunteer at the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office. So he had some considerable power when it came to helping people when they got into trouble. So that's certainly, you know, when you're talking about being charitable, I don't know that that's it. I don't think it is because, you know, I'm sure he didn't do that stuff for free. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. But I have no knowledge of what he did. But I'm saying that, you know, that kind of um, power with the legal system, with the justice system, 
is uh, what they could trade on, right? So you get into a car accident or you were drunk driving or something like that, then Alex going to help you out. Um, and I think <laughs> this, is a, this is a point that I think needs to be made. When plaintiff's attorneys tell uh, potential clients that I'm going to da- handle this pro bono, and I've heard this from a couple people in Hampton County about how Alec would handle their cases, quote unquote, pro bono. That's not pro bono, right, Eric? What is that? Pro bono is, you know, you give your time to people that are poor, mm-hmm. that um, need advice, whether it's military uh, spouses, a military person's gone away, getting called to duty. How do you deal with, you know, getting abatement of mortgage and things like that? Dealing with indigent people, representing people that are, you know, so you wouldn't take a fee for it. You won't take a fee. But he was taking fees for his right, his pro bono. That's not pro bono. When you tell, so I think that there's a misconception. So it's funny because Hampton County is such a legal community, right? Right. That's where that's it's industry. Chief industry is. Yeah. So you have people that are, you know, maybe just not. there's like the legal literacy, not understanding that these lawyers actually are taking your case uh, on a contingency basis, which means that there's a fee agreement supposed right. to be. Uh, and as part of that, they're going to take a certain percentage of your case, anywhere between 25 and 40, perhaps. And I would guess, venture to guess with Alec, it was probably almost always 40%, right? Sure. Plus the tip he gave himself, apparently. Yeah, he gets a tip. After. <laughs> yeah, the bonus he gave himself. Yeah, he's yeah. on the bonus plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you just used a great term that we're going to use throughout our podcast as we go forward: legal literacy. That's what we're going to do for our listeners. We're going to give them legal literacy, right? So, so nobody ever can spin or throw something around their heads. Yeah, and speaking of spinning, there. So what you asked is in all of the reporting. Has anybody said on the record that they're good people? And from what I've seen, the only thing, pretty much, I mean, the only politician, which is interesting because we know how embedded the Murdochs were with South Carolina politics. We know that they were movers and shakers and mm-hmm. especially within the Democratic Party. Yeah. <laughs> but Bakari Sellers was the only one. And I watched Twitter very closely after the murders because I was wondering what was going on. And my phone was blowing up with people that I've known throughout South Carolina who knew the Murdoch family in different capacities, whether that was through the trial lawyers, whether that was from USC law. Mm -hmm. And what a majority of people were saying is, I know that guy. I don't really like him. He's a jerk. But I don't know if he killed his family. Right. I get a lot of that on the golf course. I A lot of people that I've golfed with were his fraternity brothers or played right. football with them. And they said, you know, he was a fun guy, but, you know, you didn't turn your back. You, you, you watched him with both eyes, you know. One guy described him. He's a guy that could – Alex reminded me of a guy that could look through a keyhole with both eyes at the same time. What does that mean? Real, you know, a guy that's really you can't trust. It's a schemer, you know, okay. a guy that's looking like that, you know, a real schemer. You know, one thing I wanted to add that you just talked about is they hired Nexon Pruitt's uh, marketing company. Right. They're, what are they doing? What is it that they're actually doing? I mean, can't they muster up one family that Alex represented who would come forward and say he was the most amazing attorney? I just want to tell you that he was 
calling us. He kept us informed. He was there for us in the hospital. He recovered money for us. He gave money to the, to the, to our charity. He, he went to my kid's wedding. He's the godfather. Couldn't, what are they doing? You can't, of all his representation, I mean, I, I can go to a lot of clients that if I needed them and my back was up against the wall, they, they do testimonials. I have, he can't come up with anything like that, Mandy. Yeah, and the other thing is the, I mean, I just want to make this very clear. The writing was on the wall about Alex Murdoch not being a great person way before the double homicide of 2021. For sure. Uh, And and before the boat crash. Uh, Like, when the boat crash happened... But I think that's a misconception because people t- say to me, Mandy, well, because of your reporting, we now know all these things about Alex. And it's like, ask eight people in Hampton County about right. Alex Murdoch before 2021. Yeah. And I guarantee you they wouldn't have said he's a kind, gentle soul and his family's from the salt of the earth. So when like, you look at the Murdochs as an institution, kind of the same way you would maybe the Catholic Church or something like that, you have a culture of silence. You have a culture of um, you can all say, yeah, we thought father so-and-so is rather creepy, uh, but who's going to be the first one to say it? And who? what cover do they have in saying it? Uh, obviously, the and more people the that come... what are the repercussions if you do say What it? are the repercussions? So if you look at a closed circuit like Hampton County, so you're talking about, we live in the 14th circuit, there's five counties, right? Well, Hampton County is... So that's already insular. The 14th circuit already has its border, and we do things a lot differently, and uniquely, which is a nice way of saying like really messed up and what have you. But Hampton County is an even smaller, you know, country in within that country. So uh it is like the Vatican maybe to a certain extent. So it's like a closed circuit. You you to come forward as one person is suicide basically, right? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Law enforcement's not gonna listen to me. Who do you go to? First of all, who are you reporting them to? The air? Because where do you go to report a Murdoch? In? They don't trust him. Yeah. yeah. There's and no one to tell. Where was this all going to go? So without Maori Beach, how long would he have kept this up? If there's a somebody that would have told on him or he got caught, would he have been able to buy his way out? Would this have just continued on? or were, Look, Russ yes. wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. And we'll be right back. So, Mandy, do you want to talk about the, um, this has sort of bothered you from the beginning. Uh, why are they going with the murder trial first? Uh, why not trial the financial crimes first when it comes to Alec Murdoch? Do you want to sort of introduce people to that and what the issue is? Yeah, and I mean, the big thing I think to get across is that we don't know if, it's all up to Newman, correct? Judge Newman. Yeah, it's also, uh, now it's also up to... Creighton. Creighton, he controls the document. The prosecution. Did the, the judge have to agree? Dick Harputlian sent a letter to the Supreme Court, to Chief Justice Beatty, right around the time that he sent, like maybe the day before the motion, like it was in conjunction with that motion to compel. So he's asking the Chief Justice to put the murder trial on the docket. Why is that? Why is he asking the Chief Justice for to do that? Dick is asking for things that normal lawyers don't get to ask for. And I apologize. It wasn't to the Chief Justice. It was to, I believe there's somebody in that office that handles the docket right. scheduling to that person. Right. Okay. So Why? Because he wants to force the hand to get Alex's murder case tried first. For some reason, again, he's got a strategy. 
that no one really understands. I don't know whether Dick is just winging it, but he's got Jim Griffin, who is a really bright lawyer. I can't wait to hear what their strategy is. Well, what do you think? So what do you think the strategy is? Why is I Dick think, pushing so hard for this to get on the docket? I mean, he because he can, he can win. He can win. Dick Harputlian can win this case. Again, it's a circumstantial evidence case. He only has to flip one juror. This is being tried in Alex's backyard. The Myrtle tentacles, the Myrtle uh, reach goes long and long and long. And he only has to flip one juror. And it's starting to sound like, according, you know, Dick's going to say they're overloading Alex with charges, 900 years in the financial. Mm -hmm. Dick can't win the financial crimes. I'm telling you, they can't, there isn't any way that I could close my eyes and see how a jury of 12 could let him steal the Satterfield's money. So can Dick defend the financial crime? So given that he's no. admitted on the record that no. drug Drug addiction is not a defense to stealing money. It's a mitigation when you're being sentenced after convicted. Somebody gets to say, look, I had a, you know, a developmental disorder when I was a child. My dad beat me, whatever. You say anything. I was a drug addict. I wasn't whatever, but it's not a defense to mens re, the criminal intent. Right. So he stole money. That's it. End of story. Sometimes as a lawyer, you can't win. Facts are facts. And so I don't understand the, theory behind Creighton not coming right out and saying, we're back to back to backing these financial crimes. You chose to charge them first. You chose to bring financial crimes before the grand jury, before a murder charge. Why did you do that? That's what comes back to me asking, why haven't we heard from Alan Wilson? When is Alan Wilson going to get in front of the camera and say, this is why we've done what we've done. We wanted to get... All the financial crimes charged first. Then we wanted to bring the murder charge. This is why we're going to try X first. We elected him as the Attorney General of South Carolina. Whether you voted for him or not, he is our Attorney General. He works for us. He needs to tell us why they're spending their do- our dollars in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been very disappointing that we haven't seen... Seen or heard from him. We just need leadership. I mean, so is one reason that the financial crimes uh, that they started getting charged first could just be the practical matter of Mandy and you made it difficult for them not to. So it, you know, basically, I mean, you called them out, Mandy, um, saying like, where are the charges in the Satterfield case? Because, and this was like in September. No, I did in in the state paper. She did on her podcast. I did in the state paper, and I said, right, where is Sled? It's a disgrace. And then I got a phone call from Chief Keel who said, can you stop beating me up in the newspaper? And I said, well, do your job. Bring the charges. They're right there. Right. It's the easiest thing in the world. So it's also a way to keep uh, Alec in um, not just jail, but under some sort of bonds situation where he's being tracked. That's a good point, too. So while you're sealing up the murder charges, you now have an excuse to, um, you know, put a tracker on him, whatever that, you know, they thought that might look like. So that could be one reason. But so they filed those. I guess what I'm saying is I'm accounting for why would they have filed those charges first? Well, well why did they bring no, no, the first charge? Not to. No, the first charge was the Labor Day shooting. Yeah, the first charge. So but what are they doing with that? He didn't stay in jail. I mean, he got. And also the. What are they doing with that though, Mandy? 
sitting on it because uh, they. It's have not to, insurance fraud. Yeah, it's not insurance fraud, so they're going to have to come to re- the reckoning. That they may have to drop that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, if you look back at the warrants, so much of it is based off of Alex's word, and that's it. And, and the and other thing is insurance. That's fraud, not worth anything. Now. Insurance fraud is. <laughs> mm-hmm actually filing a document and signing yeah. it and submitting it to an insurance company to try to get money. He never did that. I mean, that think- was an intent to do it. It was a, It's called an inchoate crime, I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E. Mm-hmm. Incomplete. Incomplete. Mm-hmm. And think it about- It was started but never completed. It's like a thought crime. I mean- Thought crime. Perfect. Yeah. It, it's, and you can't, you can't be arresting people for what they intended to do and then didn't. That doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of discussion But it seems about, like yeah. with that entire thing, it seems like Dick and Jim sat down with Sled and well, are like, you can. You can't deal. say, I want to, I wish, I, you know, I, I really want to kill the president of the United States. That's a thought crime that could get you done. But in normal circumstances. Um, Mandy, why don't you talk a little bit about why you think, like, why does it bother you necessarily? Like, I guess I'm jumping to a conclusion here, but if it bothers you, why? that the murders are come, you know, being tried first? Like, why would you like to see the financial crimes come first? Well, Eric has talked a lot about momentum and how big momentum is for attorneys. And the more that I've thought about it, the riskier it is to go. And the bottom line with the murder charges is we don't know their cards. <laughs> who's there, who? Who's the, the, the state. Yeah. We don't know with the prosecution and how we've been told that there's a lot of evidence. We've been, but until we know more, it's going to be hard to determine how risky Dick's, the case is. Dick is and, a master at derailment. And the murder case, if put up, there's so many different times during a murder trial, it could get derailed. Something can happen. There's less that can happen in these financial crime cases because they're more direct. They're, it's not based on what was his intent or whatever. Right. Here's the checks. So I think the thing that we need to clarify here is so when we're talking about them trying the murder case first versus the financial crimes first, are we saying that we think one will be erased? Are we saying that if you try the murder charges first, then there's no chance um, of getting convictions in the financial crimes if he's found not guilty? Like, is there, does one depend on the other? No, no, it's the OJ case. He's going to, listen, Mm -hmm. he's going away for the rest of his life. Right. He's either going away for murder, he's either going away for financial crime. So if he's found guilty of murder... Is there a chance? Do you think that Creighton or the state, the you know, the, whoever the prosecutor is, uh, will not try the financial cases? No, they'll try one of them. Okay, and why is that? Just to load them up. With because more years. the the murder case could get reversed on appeal. Okay, you're, you're never going to put all your eggs in one conviction. Strange things happen on appeal. Judge lets too much in. He d- excludes evidence that can get reversed on appeal, and it has to be retried. You belt and suspender this case you duct tape it you cement it okay every which way you can because appellate courts reverse trials all the time if it's a death penalty they get reversed all the time so no i have an absolute belief that they are going to go through all uh current charges and once they get done with those if it fails on the state level they'll load them up on the federal level 
but they don't want to do the federal level because Dick will march him down the next day and say, we plead guilty to that. Go throw the book at us and let me go into right. federal prison. But the, the other thing that I think we have to mention is that what we've seen so far from the defense is a big part, it seems like, of their strategy is that the state is after me and the government is after me. And right. there's, there's this big conspiracy. And Here, here's what surprises so wait, me. But wait, just on. to stop, because what you're saying is that the state is based... So Dick and Jim can benefit off of holding off on the financial crimes because then they can always say, like, look at this stack of charges that is part of the defense in the murder case, is what you're saying. And I think it would be a lot better off going into the murder case of he was tried and convicted by a jury uh, in X, Y, and all these other charges versus those charges haven't been haven't gone to trial yet and they're just out there so it looks like he's just accused of everything right and then god forbid something's ha- something happens in the murder trial and then you lose momentum so it benefits dick and jim more to do it the way they want to do it which is to have the murder charges first because then they can just point to that stack of charges no dick doesn't want to lose dick is not a loser and he is in this to the end. He can't bow out. Right. Why? Why do you think that he's so stuck in this? Because he's been on national TV. There's no way he can walk away and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a witness or I'm in conflict. He'll look like he's hightailed running it and taking his toys and running home after he shot his mouth off. He's not right. doing no. that. Enough. But, yeah, I mean, like you're saying that for Dick Harpootlian, the spotlight is way too tempting for him. He can't get out now. Yeah. Even if he wanted to. And a lot of people have told him, you, 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 you had a chance to bail, you should, whatever. But he's all in. And if he walked now, look like a coward running home. So if we know, though, that he's, so Alec Murdoch, it's sort of a foregone conclusion, I guess, that he will be facing some time in the state penitentiary. So does it matter then what, what is charged first? Like, what is the, so let's just say like. Yeah, it does. OJ. What's, what's the, what's the goal here? Is it just because I think we should probably talk about the, the aspect that is the victims because that's, I think where we're coming from, right? Which is the victims and the financial crimes. Why are they less important than the unidentified? I hate to say that about the murder case, but the unidentified victims because we really haven't heard an outcry from the people that we would assume normally are the victims. And you don't hear the Murdoch family screaming, we want this trial to go forward. Right. What, they're victims. Randolph is the PR for Paul. John Marvin is the PR for Maggie. Right. They should be screaming at the top of their lungs, try this case. Because they're not screaming, maybe they think that Alex is not uh, the right defendant. And we'll be right back. Now, there's going to be tons of motions in limine. So, uh, Dick will make motions in limine, motions to limit, motions to exclude, it means. To not let the state talk about all these other crimes that he's done. Dick's going to... Say limit this only to murder, right. not you know. But then I think the Mallory Beach trial right. comes in because that's even though they don't have to show motive, they can say, "Aren't you sued with Paul in the Mallory Beach case?" And aren't you pissed that you got sued um, in the Mallory Beach case and that you were mad at Paul for that? Go back to what you just said. They don't have to show motive. They don't. It's not an element to show in murder. They just have to show that you had. 
uh, one second of premeditation of thought that you wanted to kill somebody. So why then, uh, when they were talking about the potential for a gag order, was one of the things that uh, I believe it was the prosecution, what they brought up was that because the motive is tied to all the financial, you know, the other cases that are pending, that's why they were, you know, arguing, arguing the, the, for the They, the they gag don't order. have to prove motive. But they are going to talk about motive. Okay. You, you, they're not going to just, that's not going to be the 800-pound elephant in the room. They're going to talk about motive. Okay. They're going to talk about, yeah, all these different things, the financial pressure. Right. Uh, uh, Maggie, you know, had enough, whether she saw a divorce lawyer, whether Maggie said, look, you know, I want my money separated from yours. We don't know anything about their relationship. Right. What if Maggie said... I don't long, no longer want to have a joint account with you. I want my money separate. Right, right. They know a lot more than we know. So going back to the victims part of this, um, Mandy, with yeah. you know the financial crimes, is that what? Is, so is, do you think that that's maybe like the driving factor of why you think the financial crimes should be tried first, not just the strategy, uh, yeah, that's but, a big part of it. I mean, besides the risk involved, but like I mean, Eric, you work closer than the victims in this case than I do. I'm sure they're all ready to just get this past them. Yeah, they want justice. Yeah, they want justice. When we start ranking who's the bigger victim, who's the worst victim, then that's not fair because the the Satterfields, they lost their mother and their sister. The Plylers lost their mother and their brother. And as a result of those deaths, they've been exploited. So... They feel like their death is worse than than Maggie and Paul's. Maggie and Paul have lived this incredibly privileged, rich life. Um, and it's tragic that they were killed. Um, and if they were killed for a reason and a purpose, somebody needs to find out. But these other clients, you thought enough to bring them before a grand jury. Now are you just saying, well, they're, you're not really important. Nobody's communicating with them. I would love somebody to call the Satterfields on the phone from the AG's office or call the Plylers and say, listen, here's why. If they do decide to try the murder case first, somebody better be calling these victims and tell them, why is your case put off till 2025? The Murdoch Murders Podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Our executive editor is Liz Farrell. Produced by Luna Shark Productions.